From points across California, you're listening to the Disneyland edition of the Diz Unplugged. This is the Diz Unplugged Disneyland edition, episode 169 for the week of July 18th, 2013. The Diz Disneyland edition is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, helping you plan a perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at www.dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello everyone and welcome to the show. I'm your host Tom Bell. I'm joined by our Disneyland team. Nancy Johnson, Mary Jo Mulatto-Willie, and Michael Bowling. In this segment, Mary Jo takes us to San Juan Capistrano and other local missions. Mary Jo? Hi there. Hey, how are you? Pretty good. Good. Um, you probably heard me talk about um, how I visited Boston recently and toured around the historical sites over there, because that always really interests me is mm-hmm. the history of any place how, that I go visit. How many historical sites they have on the East Coast compared to us out here? That's true, and, and I wanted to take this opportunity to share some of our own California history. Um, that's almost, you know, some of it is as old as the East Coast, um, or very close to it, while they were developing their own uh, infrastructure over there. Here on the West Coast, we had different things happening, like the California uh, missions. You know, the Spanish explorers came over here, and they called California in those days Alta California, which meant Upper California, and Baja California, Lower California. And Spain had um, this fry from the Franciscans that they commissioned to come over here and establish these missions. They commissioned, them, they commissioned him to, miss, to put up missions, but they to establish these missions here to bring Christianity um, to the natives that lived here, but also to put outposts. And so they created or established 21 of these missions going from San Diego north past San Francisco. And I always thought that the missions were done, you know, as he made his way up north, that he established the missions in order that way. But I found out that they told them the two important areas were San Diego and up in Monterey. So the first two missions were in San Diego, Monterey, and then in between. They did mm-hmm. all these others. Nice. Yeah, so. And I wonder why Monterey was considered a bigger area than, say, oh, the San Francisco juncture. Right. Um, maybe at that time they didn't have good good ports in San Francisco because, mm-hmm. you sure. know, the coastline was a lot different back in those days. But right. in Monterey they had established a really important city over there. So they, that's why they wanted the mission over, over there. And yeah, so, Monterey was um, the capital for quite a long time. I did not know that. There you go. During when Spain was in was uh, had this land, right? Mm-hmm. I forgot. Well, about that, that makes sense since Ray is king. Yeah, Mount, it's King King Mountain, Monterey. Yeah, or the Mountain so, of Kings. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, and here in California, the missions are so important that the schools, the, when, by the time the kids get to fourth grade, they have to do a mission project. Uh-huh. So my kids did their mission projects on San Juan Capistrano and Santa Barbara. And so like most parents do, we visited those two missions so they could get a, view, a feel of them. And my kids did their own missions. Their parents didn't do them for them, so... They probably yeah, I'm waiting for those days. Back, back in my day, back back in my day, we still we still had enough money for field trips, and so we I, I think we actually went to because I'm from Central California. We actually went to the, one of the one of the missions on the coast. 
as a field That's trip. really cool. Yeah. Well, and they are, they're also so important that the Natural History Museum and Exposition Park, right next to the Science Center, has a whole wing of one of its things dedicated to the mission's role in the history of Los Angeles and stuff, so. And it was, and it was crucial in, in those days. So, the first uh, mission that I mentioned in San Diego was established in 1769, so before the United States was created, and the last mission was founded um, north of San Francisco in 1823. And they were founded by Fray Junipero Serra and the Franciscan missionaries, like I said, and they used the native Californians to, they provided the labor to build the missions, and what they would do is, as the, as they would talk to the Native Americans, they would um, convince them to be baptized, and once they were baptized, they got Christian names, and then they couldn't leave the missions without permission, and so they kind of were uh, captive laborers. That okay. yeah, and 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 it's it's they were learning a whole new trade. They learned how to work iron. They learned how to so they learned how to um, manage crops and stuff that they didn't have in their own um, former way of living. So it was um, it's very interesting how how the Europeans develop uh, interacted with the I'll call them the Native Californians here in California because they were so different than the other Native Americans um, throughout the United States. So at the time that they were built, they kind of did it so that the missions were about a day's ride by horse. But today, you know, we can go to them. We can visit three missions in a few hours or, or even an hour away or half an hour away, depending on, you know, when we drive with the – if we go by freeway or or um, surface Street. streets yeah. or my way. <laughs> hey. <laughs> <laughs> but um, – and the road that connects all the missions, do you guys know what it's called? There, the, the, if you didn't know, all the missions are connected by a road. Um, 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 um. And all of you have ridden, yeah, are driven on this road. Shoot. Oh, El Camino Real? Yeah, there we go. El Camino Real, Thank which you. is also the Royal Road. So you guys know it. And it follows the coast. It's about 600 miles long. And the road is identified by mission bells hanging. Every few miles as you're driving on it, you'll see a mission bell hanging. And if any of you have already seen and you're wondering what the heck those are, it means that you're driving on the El Camino Real. And the El Camino Real is composed of the 5 freeway, the 405. Yes, we call them the 5 and the 405. <laughs> Until you get up here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't call them that in the nor- in Northern California? No, we don't say the. We say oh, highway or we so just okay. say the number. Okay. Didn't know that. Um, do you guys say Cali for California? Nobody no. says Cali. For Nobody Cali. says Cali. Oh, just, just, just checking for a certain person. But anyway, also if you're driving in Los Angeles, Sepulveda, PCH, or Highway 101, which is a, a major portion of this El Camino Real, um, you'll you'll notice the bells. The clappers are long gone. Somebody has um, somebody has uh, stolen them. And uh, by people who look for free souvenirs, but at least the bells are still there. Um, these missions were outposts, and they typically consisted of living quarters for the padres, barracks for the soldiers, because they needed the soldiers to protect them, living areas for the native Californians. And, of course, each mission had a church, and most of them are still operating today. In fact, some of them are um, 
full functioning churches with the schools and everything, just like a typical Catholic church. If you're Catholic, you can hear Mass or go light a candle. Or if a service is not going on, anyone can go in the church and meditate or just sit in a nice quiet spot to think. Most of these churches retain the look that they had when they were first built. And I think it's interesting to see the material that was shipped from Spain and mixed with the local materials that they used to build and to decorate these churches. A lot of their altars were shipped from Europe, and so you'll have uh, different styles, but the buildings themselves are made of adobe and, and the local wood that they could use. These missions were not only places of worship, but they were also places of industry where they grew their own crops, made candles, wine, uh, raised cattle. Um, they worked with leather, and they did so many other things because they were supposed to be self-sustaining and also provide um, for the for the local people who lived in the area. Didn't quite work out that way. Um, Spain subsidized these missions, would send supplies to them and everything, and that had a, a huge impact as California changed from the Spanish government to the Mexican government to the Californian government to the United States government. So that affected not only the missions themselves, but the people who lived in them. So it's interesting to visit the missions and see how the people during this time cooked their food and they made the goods that they used in those times. And there, you know, if you're going to the Disneyland Resort, there are three missions that are pretty close. Um, one of them is probably a half an hour away, maybe a little bit more than that. The other one's about 45 minutes, and then the last one's about an hour away from the Disneyland Resort. Luckily uh, for us, one of the most popular missions of all 21 is less is the one that's about 40, 45 minutes away from the Disneyland Resort. Or you can take a train from the Anaheim Station and the train lets you off right there at the mission. So you don't, once you get there, you don't have to worry about taking a cab to go anywhere. And the mission that I'm talking about, the first one is the San Juan Capistrano mission, which is known as the jewel of the missions because it truly is a beautiful location. A lot of, um, weddings happen there and, uh, a lot of people go there for pictures, to take pictures. Um, it was founded on November 1st, 1776. So while our country's forefathers were starting the fight against the English back in Boston and the East Coast, the Spaniards were busy setting up this mission here on the West Coast, same year. So it's interesting to see how, um, you know, how they already had established cities back East, but yet it was just so rustic out here and they were just putting out these outpush, outposts, excuse me. So this mission, San Juan Capistrano, has an operating church and most of the mission itself has been turned into a museum. It's on about 10 acres of land in the middle of San Juan Capistrano. The mission is known for its beauty. It's also the place where the first wine was produced in Alta, California, which is what that part of California in the USA is known as. The wine came from the Criolla, it's called Criolla in Spanish, but Criolla or the mission grape that was planted around 1779. And of course, you know, as Catholics do like to drink our wine. And we do use them in our, in our masses. It's an integral part of the mass. So, um, it was important that they, that they, um, grow the grapes and make the wine. Uh, photographers would really enjoy visiting the museum at San Juan Capistrano because there's so many opportunities for some really good shots. 
The original church called the Great Stone Church was destroyed by an earthquake in 1812. And so a chapel called Sarah's Chapel was then erected and it's still in use today. Um, in fact, and when the earthquake happened, I think 40 people were killed. Um, the mass was just starting. And one of the well-known events here around here is the return of the swallows every spring. They go south to Argentina during the wintertime, and then they come back up to Southern California in the springtime. And so on March 19th, which is also known as St. Joseph's Day, which is my saint's day, um, they have a celebration for the return of the swallows. And in the years past, hundreds and hundreds, or let's say thousands of swallows would return. But because of um, people have, you know, more houses and the industry around there, you don't get nearly the number of swallows today that they used to get back in the, in the old days. But since it was such a significant um, impact on the mission, all these swallows and the swallows' nests, that everywhere, when you do go to San Juan Capistrano Mission, you'll see um, pictures of swallows and all kinds of statues, etc. And that's why that it's so celebrated, is because each spring they would come back. So at one time there were over 70 adobe structures within the mission grounds where the native Californians lived. And as you walk the grounds, you'll see the beautiful gardens, the chapel, the ruined old church, and the living quarters for the Padres, including the separate kitchens, bedrooms, living rooms, etc. And they still have the furniture there that was used when they actually lived in the mission. So you can see how stark it is compared to what we're used to living in now, especially since the Padres really, you know, um, they didn't have the money. They, they didn't live in luxury, so it really was... Uh, very humble living that they had. Um, the altar in the Sarah Chapel is early Baroque style altarpiece in gold, and it goes from the floor to the ceiling. So it really makes an impact when you go into the church and you see the detail in this altarpiece. Um, in Spanish, it's called retabla, and it's, which is a, a lot of Catholic churches in, in Spanish countries. So you anybody who has gone would know that. Um, on the grounds themselves, besides the beautiful landscape, you see the remains of outdoor vats that they use to make tallow, which is what they would make um, their candles, soap, grease, and ointments from. And the vats are huge. They're in the ground. They're um, lined in adobe. Um, there were also vats that were used for dyeing wool. They also tanned leather. Um, they had... Besides the cattle, they also had sheep and goats, so they had looms for weaving. It was it was a full um, the industry there was just really full, and it's kind of neat that you can see how they actually worked them, and you can see the tools that they used in that time to make all of the the uh, works that they did. Um, there's also been some excavation at the mission, so I always thought that was interesting that they dug down about like six feet. And they put like a glass covering or plexiglass so you can see down below and you can see artifacts. So it's kind of weird to me that, you know, back in seven, in the 1700s, they built a mission and from that time until now, the ground has kind of raised. I don't, I kind of wonder how that works, that there would be artifacts, but you can see them. You can see, uh, some of the kitchens that they used or the, the base of them. And you can also see the aqueduct system that they used. They had three aqueducts that ran through the main courtyard, would collect the water where it could, and then they would distill it for drinking and they would use it for other things there. Um, also at the San Juan Capistrano Mission, if anybody has seen pictures of them, and here in California 
we often see pictures of this mission. There's four mission bells, and they're well-known in California. Each one has a name that's inscribed on the bell. Two of them are cracked due to the earthquake. And then there's two other bells that were the original bells that were um, hung in the old church that were that are they have them hanging in another part of San Juan Capistrano Mission, and you can see them, and you can see the the cracks in those bells from when they fell during the earthquake. Now the mission has a permanent exhibit. Um, they used to have it; it would come every few years. They would have it. It's called Mission Treasures, but it's so popular that people kept asking for it. So now it's a permanent exhibit, and they show chalices, vestments. Um, things that the Padres would wear and use during Mass, and also some of the original items that were used by the people who lived there on the mission. So I think that's really interesting to see. That exhibit's open from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. daily, um, and like I said, it's full of the original artifacts from when the mission was um, first open. You can wander the mission on your own and read the descriptive plaques, or you can take an audio tour that they have now, and they have one for adults and one for children, and they also have them in different languages for international guests, which is nice. And in addition to that, if you would rather have a tour led by a docent, they have those also. So you can have somebody explain it more. If you want to know more of how the people live, the docent's going to go into more detail telling you about that. Um, the, they have a beautiful fountain there, a pond with a fountain in it, and they now have koi fish in there, so that you know people love to feed the fish. So at 12:45 each day, you can go there and watch them feed the the koi fish. And on the weekends now, they've added um, a couple of uh, participatory programs where you can participate in gold panning and adobe brick making. So, yeah, that's new. That wasn't there. With the and I, I go to the mission every couple of years, so that's well, gold panning is not easy. It's a, you know, it's a, I was just saying that the gold panning is not easy. We did that with the kids last week, as a matter of fact. And I think of making the Adobe bricks would be really cool too. It gives you a lot more respect for what people went through to have to extract, you know, to put these buildings up and stuff. I think so because the the walls of the buildings are really thick. They're maybe three feet thick, maybe. And so, wow. you, so when you when you get an Adobe brick, my, yeah, my grandmother used to live in an Adobe house in El Paso. And one thing, the house is always cool in the summer yeah. and warm in the mm-hmm. winters. The insulation is great. So when you see these bricks that you make and how many of them they needed to put together to create the um, these buildings, that's a lot of work. Yep. You know. So I think it's cool. I wonder if you get to keep your adobe brick or... It's or, part uh, of the restoration. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> they, they need all the... Uh, yeah. Help... Now, but that would be really cool too. I would make a brick and put I my. I think that would be it. very cool. Mm-hmm. And taking it home, put it in the backyard and garden, or yeah. or leaving it for being part of the restoration. Or, yeah, that I was. Yeah, I, I worked on that mission. <laughs> but um, they in addition to the, they also have a temporary exhibit, so you can go on the website. We'll have it in our show notes. But you can go to the mission, and they have other temporary exhibits. And right now, during the summer, they have music under the stars concerts out there. So that's nice. How long um, should people allow to tour? The that's a good question. I would say minimum, minimum two hours. Okay. We typically take a little over three hours to go through the mission. 
because they have a, they have a cemetery there also, and it's interesting to see the names and there's just so much detail in in all the parts of the mission. Plus, it's so pretty just to be there also. Mm-hmm. And I think even now that they have these other programs, it might I would say three hours maybe instead of two hours because if you're going to do on the weekends, if you're going to do you know the Adobe brick making and stuff, that would be. I think that would be interesting. Is there a place to, to eat or nearby? Um, I'll tell you after okay, cool. I'm done with that because that's um, – to get to the mission from the Disneyland Resort, You, it's super easy. You just take the 5 Freeway south. You get off in the Ortega Highway exit, and the mission's probably two blocks to, oh, the, wow. okay. to the right. Yeah, it's right there. And you can't miss so it. So I pass it every time I come oh. to – Every time you go to San Diego – Oh, south, south, I'm sorry. Yeah, you take south, you go south. So um, when people go to San Diego, if they're going to go to SeaWorld or, you know, would follow, do something that Tony's talked about, um, I always say if you're, if you're staying in San Diego and you're coming up to Disneyland or staying at Disneyland and going down to San Diego, take that extra couple of hours and stop and look at this mission because it's, it's, in my opinion, really worth it. Um, if you take the train, your stop is probably about a half a block from the mission entrance. It's right at the back gate. So, and it's a tiny little train station. It's pretty cool. So it's a really, I think, a wonderful way to spend the Disney, um, a non-Disney day. Right. I, um, I have a question. Is, is this still an active parish? Yes. Okay, so people could attend Mass if they wanted to. Yes. Okay. And, and they have... Um, they have mass posted there, and of course, while mass is going on, they would rather people not go inside the church, or if you're going to go in the church, go sit in the back, one of the back pews, or we call the benches pews. Sit in the back pew and just, you know, observe quietly and take a look at the at the church. Mm-hmm. Um, hours are Sunday through Saturday, so every day, 8:30 to 5 p.m. General admission right now is nine dollars for adults, six dollars for children four to eleven, and children under three. Three or free, and I think uh, senior citizens also are eight dollars, something like that. It's less than the adult price. Um, the central courtyard of the mission has free Wi-Fi, so if you nice. need to connect to the, which is kind of cool because if you're going to go to the, if you're going to go there and hang out for longer, it's nice to be able to connect. Um, they do have a gift shop at the mission with religious and artistic items, um, also some swallow-related items, and. Outside the mission, the all the buildings have um, are what we call mission style, and there's shops and restaurants within walking distance. Awesome. So if you have time, you can visit the local. They also have a petting zoo. Um, they also have a San Juan Capistrano architectural walking tour, which includes the Adobe Spanish era dwellings and other more modern um, buildings of significance. And I also have links to the segment that where you can download the map. Or you can take the tour. I think the tour is like $3 or something like that. And the tour, if you take it, is 90 minutes um, if you do take it. Um, there's, As Tom was asking about places to eat, there's several places to eat near the mission. I typically go to a restaurant called Cedar Creek Inn, which is across the street on the same road that you drive in from the freeway, so there's no way of getting lost or anything. And they have an outdoor patio, Bougainvillea all over the place. Um, and it's American food. So you can, it's one of those restaurants that serve a little bit of everything. So you're going to find something that the family, um, likes to eat. The outdoor patio is just beautiful. 
Um, they have another restaurant called El Adobe de Capistano. And if you want Mexican food or you want something that's going to be more typical of the type of food we eat here in Southern California, you might want to go to that restaurant. And there's um, some other ones that on the website that we have linked for San Juan Capistrano, they have other recommendations of places to eat on there. Um, if you feel a bit adventurous after visiting the mission, you can go to the coast and drive up PCH with the Pacific Ocean to your left and go to the 55 freeway, which will take you to the 5 to get back to the Disneyland Resort. Or you can just hop on the 5 to go back to the Disneyland Resort. So... Um, of all the missions, that's the one that I highly, highly recommend. It's it's what we used to call part of our mulatto tour when family would come <laughs> out. We would take them around, L, you know, L.A. and other places. We always took a day down to San Juan Capistrano. And that, for us, that was like a day trip because we would go down there. You know, we'd wake up, have breakfast, go to the mission, walk through all the little shops and everything. Because one of the things they have there that I like also is um, gifts from local artists. And I always like to get things from local artists that I'm not going to get anyplace else. So you're definitely going to get something in the style, the Southern California mission style type of um, either clay plot, clay pots or tiles or different things that they have there. And if San Juan Capistrano's whet your appetite to visit more of our missions, there are two other missions north of the Disneyland Resort that are about a half hour or an hour away that you can visit on your Los Angeles sightseeing days. And the first one that I'm going to talk about here is the San Gabriel Mission, which I think, Michael, you said you've been to. I have several times. And it's so you a beautiful can, mission. You can add to that one because it's been a long time since I've been to that mission. But it's located about 30 miles north in the city of Alhambra, which is east of downtown Los Angeles. And this mission is named after the Archangel Gabriel. It was founded in 1771, so it was founded before San Juan Capistrano. And it sits on eight acres of land. And this is a fully functioning parish, like Michael was asking earlier, with church services. There's a school that's in that's attached, and a rectory, and everything. Um, the church services, the church, because it's fully functioning, I think it's a more limited uh, for people to go into the church itself. However, the museum and the gardens are open from 9 a.m. to 4:30 p.m. daily for a self-guided tour. So, whereas Samuel Capistrano, and I, I forgot to mention, Samuel Capistrano also has um, programs for students and teachers for the mission, because they the mission project is such a big project here in Southern Cal- in California, excuse me, that they have materials there for um, students to go to get. So if you're visiting Disneyland Resort, you have an incoming fourth grader, and you're from California, you can go to the Samuel Capistrano and get some of their tools. Um, use their resources, excuse me, for the project. So I think that was really cool. But back to San Gabriel. Um, the museum and gardens, like I said, are open from 9 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. The charge, there is a charge, it's $5 for adults, $3 for kids over five years old, and $4 for seniors. And with admission, you get a brochure with a map, and you get historical information about the mission. Parking is free. Um and like I said earlier, since this is fully functioning, the church is not going to be open to visit during any mass, baptisms, weddings, holidays like Easter, Christmas, Thanksgiving. So keep that in mind when you plan your visit. Um, there's a gift shop here, and just like the San Juan Capistrano Mission, um, there are a lot of items available for mission projects. And 
They have events also. They have the San Gabriel History Mission Day or a Museum Saturday. So these events are held each month. And so you would need to go to the website to see if you're going to be visiting this area during a time when they have some of these special events that you could part, that you could go to and participate. Um, this visit, a visit to this mission would be nicely combined with a visit to Alvera Street, which is the birthplace of Los Angeles, which I think Nancy mentioned when she did her, um, her segment on Los Angeles and the different places to go, to go visit. Alvera Street is the birthplace of Los Angeles, and across the street is the Union train station, and the architecture there is just absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, it is. So have, oh, yeah, you you know it well, don't you, Charles? Yeah, I do. <laughs> Been there several times. <laughs> so if you'd rather have, um, if you don't want to eat the Mexican food at Alvera Street, which is really good. Which you'd you would be have- very remiss in not eating the Mexican food at they, Alvera Street. They have a subway or, uh, <laughs> I was going to say no. Ins- I was- inside Union Station. Oh, do they really? Yeah. Don't go there, people. And there are Wetzel's pretzels. It's going to cost you $6 to yeah, park at Union Station. <laughs> so go to Alvarez Street instead. Go walk. It's a tiny little street, but they have, I think it's the second oldest building in Los Angeles. Um, the, I forgot the name of the Adobe house, but it's free to go walk through there, and I recommend visiting that place, or like Nancy said, eating in one of the restaurants or the taquerias that they have there. But if you want something American, down the street, there's Philippe's, which is home of the French dip sandwich. And it's a it's a Los Angeles uh, classic uh, icon to go eat over there. I, when Roz lived back east in uh, Washington, D.C., we would do different things that she wanted to do for L.A., and one of them was we ate at Philippe's, which it was really good. Um. Why are you laughing, Nancy? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, I mean, I can't tell you how good the food is there. Oh. <laughs> the fact that, that we once tried to talk them into making something that they only make on Fridays just because we were there on a different oh. day. Nice. <laughs> Did they do it? No. Oh. <laughs> Don't you know no. who I am? I'm Nancy Johnson. I'm on a podcast. No, this is before I was oh, Nancy okay. Johnson on the podcast. <laughs> now you can go back and say now excuse you can go me. Back, yeah. Before I got my H level celebrity done. Yes. I don't think you're as high as H though. I think we're more like Q. There you go. Um, um, Q list. Uh, I guess so. <laughs> um, have any of you eaten at Alvera Street? Besides Nancy? No, and I keep saying I'm going to, but they don't. Oh, you have to. you got to do it. And then you have to buy some of the kitschy little items on top of it. Okay. Because you can't, you can't go through there without buying something that one of the vendors has to sell. And then you can pretend that you're in TJ or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And I could totally see him in a, in a, mucho, in a lucha libre. I need to oh, they mask, sell the, the mask? Yeah, they sell yeah. the masks. <laughs> And a little cape. Wouldn't that be cute? No. Oh, I know. But, 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 um, but you digress. If, I digress. <laughs> if if you are going to go to the San Gabriel Mission, well, Michael, you've been there. Are there any places near the mission to go eat besides? I, I went know. straight to Alvarez Street. We went there because we our children are working on the mission project. <laughs> okay. So that was our first time we went there. But one of the so we didn't we were going to several stops on the way and 
But one of the things that when I was there last, it was this mission was also an active archaeological dig in that they had discovered the foundations for some of the original buildings. I think oh. it might have been the residences for the um, the Padres and also I believe for some of the native natives that were living on the mission grounds. And so they were excavating those and it, it, it was really fascinating. And then the, some and the things that they were finding were on display in the museum and their their hope was to ultimately restore those buildings. So I don't know how far they've gotten in the excavation, but um, they were finding quite a bit. That's it. Well, what I like about that too is that when they find these these um artifacts and they excavate they don't stop they they might halt it for a little bit and then they'll get more money and then they continue mm -hmm. so i mean i think that's kind of cool that if you go there you might watch them be there while they're doing this work if you go during the week and it's all i also like how they keep the areas that they uncover open so you can see the original um structures so right. it's and they, they have a beautiful um, sort of inner garden um, with where the and with the campanile is sort of at the end of it, and it, it's really lovely, a wonderful place just to spend a few quiet moments when you're there. So I think it's well worth visiting. And Definitely. It's, yeah, it's, it's not too all, it's not too far off. It's the as you go north on the Santa Ana Freeway, which is the five from Disneyland Resort, you're going to be going on another freeway called the Ten, which is the Santa Monica Freeway, but it's they're really easy to get to, and the signs are they're well um, signed. So we'll try to put a link in also that shows how to get to these missions. Um, the last one that I was going to talk to in the area is called the um, Mission San Fernando Rey, and this one's located in the San Fernando Valley. So now we know why it's called the San Fernando Valley because it's named after the king of Spain, Fernando. Um, it's named after Ferdinand III, who was the reigning king of Spain at the time. Now, this mission was the 17th mission, and it was founded in 1797. Its nickname is Mission of the Valley, and this was also damaged during the earthquake of 1812. It was a really gnarly earthquake. And then again, during the Silmar earthquake of 1971, which was my first major earthquake, um, further damage was done. And then again, in the Northridge earthquake of 1994. So there's been um, some damage to the mission. They've restored a lot of it um, because they do these, like I said, these are working churches. So they want to keep them going. And not only that, this is part of the history of California. So we don't want to lose it. Um, this mission is about 50 miles from the Disneyland Resort and 30 miles or a half hour from the San Gabriel mission. So if you're going to do a day of visiting missions, after seeing San Juan Capistrano, you could do both the San Gabriel and the North and the um, San Fernando Rey missions. Um, it's located in what we call Mission Hills, and now we know why it's called Mission Hills because of San Fernando Mission. The mission itself is laid out in the traditional quadrangle and a large living area off of it called the Convento or the Long Building. And in 1842. Gold particles were found clinging to the roots of wild onion bulbs that they were harvesting. So this is the site of the earliest gold strike in California, which I didn't know. Wow. But after four years, they didn't find any more gold. 
But then after that, treasure seekers figured that the Padres had probably hidden the gold. So they were digging all over the mission looking for the gold that the, uh, that the Padres, that they thought they had buried around the mission. So, um, I think it would be interesting to see. I, you know, when I've gone there, I haven't found any like digging sites, you know, that shows where they, they, uh, Doug for it, but they were trying to dig up the mission wall, so now I'm going to look the next time I go. <laughs> I just um, realized I've been to this mission. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's another a, it's a one. Famous, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a, well, it's the one that has the, the bells on that one wall, right? This is a really mm-hmm. famous mission. Mm-hmm. We, when I'd visit my relatives at Christmas time, this is where we'd go for midnight mass. That's really cool. Yeah, it's a, it has a beautiful interior. Yeah, it does. Well, a, a lot of these missions do, which is kind of neat to, to think about, you know, when Spain had all the material that had to be um, sent over by boat and then by horse, they had to carry it to these locations and set them up in the missions. Just all the work that went into setting them up. And um, much of the artwork was done by the native population. So it's uh, it, So it's interesting to see that style of artwork. In the mission churches, yeah, and and who did it too? Because they did, they weren't even aware of this type of art until they were taught by the missionaries, and then they went to work. So it was it was truly um, a change in the way of life that they had once the um, Spanish Europeans came came to this country. Um, like the other missions, all of the missions were secularized, which means that they were made non-religious in the early 1800s. And this is because Mexico had had taken over California. They didn't want to put the money into the missions that Spain had been putting into them. So they turned them into off they started using them for other for other purposes. They made them into stores and and other types of things. But in 1861, um after being petitioned by the Californians, President Abraham Lincoln restored this mission and all the others back to the Catholic Church. Now, a lot of the lands had been lost to, you know, first the Mexican um, government and then the Californian government. But the missions themselves and some of the lands were restored to the Catholic Church by President Abe Lincoln. And if you go to Samuel Capistrano, you'll see a letter with his signature. And he actually signed it A. Lincoln instead of Abraham Lincoln. So there's not too many documents, I think, that have A. Lincoln on them, but that was one of them. Um, the churches are constantly being restored especially since you think, you know, the earthquakes of 1812 and the other ones. So in 1916, this church was restored by the sale of thousands of candles um, at a dollar each, which was a lot of money, I think, in those days. Um, but they're always thinking, so, you know, maybe that's those bricks in San Capistrano, maybe that's part of the restoration uh, for that mission. Um, San Fernando Rey is open daily from 9 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. It's closed on Thanksgiving and Christmas. Um, and like uh, San Juan Cup, uh, San Gabriel, um, I think I already said this. Um, and at its height, it was one of the most prosperous of all the missions with cattle and farming, as well as winemaking, metalwork, and other crafts. So a little bit of the California um, history. Um, like I said, when, when Mexico wrested California away from Spain, they didn't want to invest the money in the missions because they were busy fighting against the Californios who didn't want to be Mexicans either, and then the Americans. So um, then the buildings were used for the soldiers. And a lot of the native Californians who had 
converted to the way of mission life, which meant that they weren't living with their tribes in that style before, they were evicted. And so now they kind of became, they had no home anymore because they couldn't, you know, it had been 40 years or more. So you had all these young people who um, couldn't live at the missions anymore because that way of life was gone from them. They couldn't really go back to the way they lived um, with the tribes because that was a different way of life. So they had to figure out how to find their way in this unfamiliar ground. So this is kind of a tough and, and a sad time of, for them, but it is part of our history. So I just wanted to acknowledge that. With the confiscation of the mission lands and the dispossession of the Indians, the struggle between Northern and Southern California, just it just intensified. So as part of the struggle, there was a little battle called the Battle of Cahuenga, which took place in February of 1845, you know, back when I told you that gold was discovered. Um, two armed groups of about 400 people, they met near the Cahuenga Pass. Those of you who live in the area have heard of Cahuenga Pass. One side had three small cannons. The other side had two. <laughs> After they shot at each other for about half a day, the casualties amounted to two horses were killed on one side. <laughs> a mule was wounded on the other, and they figured that was enough. The northerners retired, and Pio Pico became the new governor of California, and Los Angeles became the new capital, and there you go. And I'd also just like to make note, since we were making some political statements, that California was not part of the United States until 1849, and it sounds like much of this took place prior to that. Yeah, this is when the Californians, the Californios, as they were called, um, took over. Anyway, and and there you go. I I recommend, number one, visiting um, the San Juan Capistrano. I think that's probably a good... Half day visit. Okay. If you're going to see the other stuff too, and then on another day go visit uh, San Gabriel, San Fernando, Alvera Street, and that part of Los Angeles, and see the history yeah. that um, that we have here. And that's it for the missions. All right. Thank you, Mary Jo. That is going to do it for this segment of the Dis Unplugged. Be sure to catch our other Disneyland shows this week, and of course we'll be back again with you next week. Until then, remember Disneyland is much more magical when it's shared. Thanks for listening.